This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Is this the time have we busted out our impressions of LeBron getting touched in the head? No blood? Is there blood? Is there blood? Okay. I mean, we're in a world where... Crock-pot corner. (laughs) Another appearance from the Crock-Pot. Recurring character, the Crock-Pot that for some reason is in that room. All right, well, do you want to get sad? Is it time to get sad? I think it's time to get sad. All right, we're feeling real sad today. All right, well, it's Fan to Fan Detroit. I'm sad your host, to Andrew sad Norris. Detroit. Sad to Sad Detroit. I'm your host, Andrew Norris. This is Double P, producer Parker. And unfortunately, week one of the NFL happened. <laughs> <laughs> so now, as being Detroit sports fans, we have to live through what we have lived through every single year of my life. And for people who are much, much older than me, every single year of their life. And that is your football franchise in this city is trash, incompetent, (laughs) can't figure anything out. They've had 70 years to do it, 60 years to do it in the Super Bowl era. They haven't won a playoff game. Since 2,021 days before I was born, 2,021 days before I was born is the last time the Lions won a playoff game. We've had to watch Rod Marinelli, who's one of the worst head coaches I've ever seen in my life. We had to watch Jim Schwartz and Jim Caldwell, who were both decent head coaches, go for not being good enough. And now we have to watch this absolute joke of a choke artist, of a pencil in his ear with a laminated piece of paper in his hand, of a head coach named Matt Patricia, blow a fourth quarter lead in 33% of the games he's been the head coach for. But what does he respond with? What does he want to tell you actually goes on in the fourth quarter? He's had one of the greatest fourth quarter play calls of all time. He doesn't think it's his fault. Are you joking? Are you kidding me with that? That's one of the most tone-deaf media responses I have ever heard from a head coach. To tell me a play call that you made five years ago with a different team makes you a good fourth-quarter head coach, when, by the way, you weren't even the head coach of that damn team, the greatest coach of all time was, makes you a good fourth-quarter coach after you have blown a lead in almost every goddamn time you've had the lead in this city you're losing your mind. You are you are being seduced by the Lions franchise. You are becoming a part of history in the worst way possible. You are just another in a long line of failures and losers. That's it. That's all you are. You are not a good fourth quarter coach. Shit, you're not a good coach. You've you've won 9 games since you've been here. You've lost 34 and tied once. Oh, guess what? That one tie? You had an 18-point lead going into the fourth quarter last year, Matty P. 18 points, 17 this year. Nope. At least it wasn't as bad as when you allowed Sam 
effing Darnold to score 48 points on you in your first game as a head coach. I'm, dude, I'm, I'm just – I'm done. I'm done with the Detroit Lions. All right, you want to talk about the Tigers? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to – okay. I'm going to kind of take the opposite side of this a little bit. Not a whole lot because it's pretty inexcusable to get your ass whomped by in the fourth quarter by Mitch Trubisky of all people. But let's take a look at like what that game really was. And that was a game where you didn't have your starting three corners. You didn't have one, two, or three. Uh, and, you know, those, those, those depth guys aren't bad. But this is NFL football. You know, you can't not be having your three corners. Your best defensive player, theoretically, got ejected from a game for headbutting a ref, which is the most Lions thing I've ever seen happen in my life. Headbutting. Uh, certainly up there. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because he hit the ref. Like, he headbutt the ref. And by the letter of the law, that's an ejection, you know. Uh, but... <laughs> I genuinely just think he didn't know where the ref was. He was trying to show him what was going on, and he like hit the ref on accident, and the ref kicked him out of the game. So you're missing your four best, theoretically, four of your five best defensive players. And then you're also missing Kenny Galladay. And then also DeAndre Swift flubs like I, the football equivalent of a gimme putt. I mean, that thing was right in his hands. All he had to do was fall backwards. And it looked like he was kind of scared to get hit on that play, which would be a situational awareness problem. So, you, you know, when you, when you put that into play and you look at what we saw at the beginning of the second half, which was a team with a devastating offense, seriously, weapons everywhere. I... I, I, I chalk it up to circumstance equal to coaching. Coaching was bad. You can't blow a lead like that. But in the circumstances, I can see a lot of coaches having the same problem. You don't have your best three quarters. Yeah, but, well, first of all, you had Desmond Trufant for three quarters of that game. You had Justin Coleman for the first half of that game. Okay, on top of that, you had a 23-6 to six lead in the fourth quarter. You yeah. want to know You want to know a couple things he could have done to work around that and even dealt with the horrible defensive injuries and ejections they had? 23-6, to six, you have the ball on the 40-yard line. Second and eight, run the ball twice, make it a 45-yard field goal for Matt Prater. What do you do? You throw it twice. Incomplete, incomplete. All of a sudden, it's a 53-yard field goal. Wide right, okay? Boom, right there. So if we look at that, if they have those three points and that last drive happens the exact same way, you don't have to rely on red zone offense, which has been a problem under Matt Patricia. You don't have yeah. to rely on that. You kick another field goal and win the game. And if we know anything about Matt Prater, if it's to win the game, he's making the kick. Yeah. Right? On top of that, you you had the third the third highest percentage in the league in neutral downs. So that means it's pretty much even for run splits and pass splits. And you passed it the third highest percentage of the time. Now, I'm all for aggression. And I'm all for being aggressive and not letting just shit go down. But obviously, you your running backs were the thing that was working. Adrian Peterson averaged like seven yards a carry on yeah. Sunday. There was no reason not to feed him and feed him and feed him. And sure, did they have bad luck? Yeah, Trufant went down. Coleman went down. Swift dropped the pass. But the... You, you should not have been in that situation. Your quarterback did enough to win the game. He really did. He should have had 30 points up on the board. Your quarterback did enough. I don't want to hear Matt Stafford slander, even though he wasn't perfect in this game. Halfway through the third quarter to halfway through the fourth quarter, 
He couldn't complete a pass. Um, but, dude, it's a 17-point lead in the fourth quarter against Mitch Trubisky. You could throw me on that field, and I would expect to win that game. Period. With this offense, like you said, it was an offense that looked like a, a, a world beater. With that offense, you have to make something happen. You have to. And it can't be three and out or minute 15 drive or any of that nonsense. You have to You have to score points. Get down the field and score points. Um, and they just they just couldn't do it, man. And I like the season's over. I, I know it's week one, okay. and this we play the Packers, the Cardinals, and the Saints the next three weeks. The season is over. Yeah, uh the Cardinals looked pretty tough to, uh so do the Packers, so do the Saints. So uh yeah, going 0 4, not a good look. I, I'm I, I hesitate, I hesitate a lot to call the season after the first game. I really do. Uh, it's a long, there's lots of things that can happen. Uh, this is a fucking weird football season. Uh, I definitely saw rust. I saw rust from Matt Stafford. This is not Matt Stafford slander. Uh, I am extremely pro Matt Stafford, but I, this was to me, a, not a good game from him compared to like the average Matt Stafford game. Uh, and you're right. You know, Adrian Peterson was, was a monster. Right. And DeAndre Swift looked shaky and Karrion Johnson looked okay, I guess. But the offensive line was like really imposing their will for about a quarter of that football game. They had all the momentum, you know, and it shouldn't be as simple as Khalil Mack going over to his defense and and everybody put their hands in the middle going, guys, we got to play better. And then whoops, that's the ball game. I don't know, man. I, I it kind of goes against like my my sports ethos to call a game after one game, but it's certainly tough to see the light at the end of this tunnel. I I don't see a situation where Matt stat where Matt Patricia has his job at the end of the year right now. That's for sure. Yeah, and I would typically agree with you. Calling the season after one game, I have written down here. This would be an overreaction if it wasn't the goddamn Detroit Lions. But it's the Detroit Lions. And every time we think SOL, same old Lions, has gone as far as it can go, we find a way to one-up it. Normally it's the refs, right? Normally we got something with the refs. The refs were fine in this game. Everything went your way except for a couple of injuries and one so-so ejection. But guess what? That's not enough to lose a 17-point lead, especially when you've already, in your two years as a head coach, have 10 blown fourth-quarter leads before this. I mean, it was just, I like, I've never felt the sense of anger I felt toward this team. I'm the guy, right? I'm the guy who every year I tell old head Lions fans, it's a different year. I don't care what happened in 2010 or 2001 or even last year. It's a different year. It's a different roster. I don't give a damn. This was the first time I've ever been like, they were right. It doesn't matter what we do. It's never going to go right here. It's a culture issue. It's an ownership issue. It's a front office issue. It's a head coaching issue. And, I mean, you got to be at least good at three of those things, and we've never been good at one. Never. Jim Caldwell was the closest thing we've had to a good head coach in my lifetime. I'm 23 years old. Like, how long do I have to continue to to spend six months of the offseason – Getting all excited, pumped up for this team. I told you guys a couple weeks ago this team's going 10 and 6. I may have even told you that last week. 
But for the first time, I had the light bulb above my head go off and say, you're a fucking idiot. Why do you keep rooting for this team? What about this team makes you believe every year? And there's nothing. There's nothing. Matt Stafford is maybe my second favorite athlete on planet Earth. Trade him. Not that he's bad. Not that this is his fault. Trade him in the offseason. Start over. It's time. Fire everybody. Bye, Quinn. Bye, Patricia. Bye, Stafford. Bye, Bevel. I don't give a damn. Get rid of I'd everybody. Keep, I'd, keep, I'd keep Bevel. Well, you can't just keep your OC. I don't know. I mean, why not? Because <laughs> the new head coach is going to want his. Oh, yeah, sure. That's like, go get If you want an offensive guy, go get the Chiefs offensive coordinator in the offseason. Restart with him and see and where Trevor it can Lawrence, go. maybe? Are you advocating that after week one we tank for Trevor Lawrence, who did, no, by the way, announce I'm not there. I'm not, I'm not there, right? I don't want to tank because uh, I don't think you need the number one pick. I still think there's talent on this team. But everything surrounding that talent is not good enough, and it all needs to be torn down and rebuilt again. Again, man. And you can't have Stafford go on his fifth coaching staff. You just can't do it. It doesn't make sense. Uh, let him go somewhere he, where he can win. Um, let him go somewhere where there's an actual football th throw three touchdowns in one quarter again. I will drop kick my TV into oblivion. So what you're saying is that there's maybe a chance that I was right about Mitch Trubisky all this time? No. Okay. Let's talk Lions-Packers week two. Um, so I think this is very simple. If our corners don't come back, Aaron Rodgers is going to score 50 points. Do we know if just what Justin Coleman, what's up with him? We had no injury updates today. We got to wait till Thursday. I did not like that Justin Coleman injury. That looked weird to me. It looked weird in a bad way to me. Yeah, I, it, it was just, it, I don't know. The, like you, you said it straight out of the DMs, right? Like you said, the look on his face was a little concerning. Yeah. Like he knew something bad had happened in his knee. Now I didn't see the replay of the injury. It wasn't non-contact, was it? It was non-contact. Oh, lovely, lovely. So yeah, I mean, non-contact injuries are almost always the worst. I think he kind of was like running and then like kind of pulled up or like landed on his foot and then like had a reaction to it. I think if I'm remembering correctly, like the Trufant thing to me was just like he tweaked something because he walked into the back of the thing and was like fine. Yeah, and, and, and he was I, questionable I to return in the fourth. So. Yeah, right. Uh, but it was like when Richard Sherman like tore his Achilles or whatever, and he just started like walking up and down the sidelines, being like, "Sorry, man, it's over for me." <laughs> like, I got real big, like Justin Coleman sitting up, going like, "Do like when they're not in pain, but you can tell that they're injured. That's when it's bad for me." Yeah, that I would agree with that. But like, also the Packers scored four three points this week on the Vikings. But they also allowed 34 points to the Vikings. And I think our offense is better than that. And I don't think – I mean, realistically, if we're healthy, I, I don't see us allowing 43 points um, just because it's hard to score 43 points two weeks in a row in the NFL. But something like 35-21, that sounds about right. 35-28, that sounds about right to me. Uh, I think that there's, I I've been saying this for a couple months now. I think that there's something going on with the Vikings. 
I, yeah, they I suck. Did, yeah, there's <laughs> but there's like something bigger happening. Like there's a locker room problem or a GM coach problem or something's going on there because there's no way that defense is so bad that they put up 43 points. Now it's also I think this is the like the 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 least you can take away from any single week of football in the history of football is probably this week. I would agree with that. Uh, this is essentially like a preseason game almost, I think, in a lot of ways. You know, uh, no preseason reps significantly cut practice time. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I I don't love the Packers still. I, I don't. I, I didn't watch a whole ton of Green Bay, Minnesota. I just, there's only so much time in the goddamn day. Uh, <laughs> how, how do they score 43 points? Did Alan Lazard have eight receptions for 124? Devontae Adams had 15 oh, yeah. catches or something like that. Uh, sure. And if we're not double covering Devontae Adams all the next game, I. I um, it's like Patricia is like one of those guys who goes to a restaurant and eats the same food every time he gets. I have my one of my best friends is like this. He'll go to a restaurant no matter what the restaurant he's getting chicken Alfredo. Matt Patricia is going to order chicken Alfredo against every defense in the NFL. And he won't try like a, a, a like a steak sandwich or like a, a piece, a nice piece of chicken. He's going to order some goddamn chicken Alfredo every week. And then just he's going to go to a new restaurant, order the chicken Alfredo, yeah. and then tell them that they cooked it wrong. Yeah. He's going to be like, no, no, trust me, this isn't right. This isn't, trust me, this isn't right. He's just stubborn, man. He's too stubborn to be an NFL head coach. A dog just broke in. Hold on. Show the dog. Dog, do you want to be on the show, dog? Oh, no? Okay. Uh, do you want to be on the show? See? Oh, come here. Come here. This is like the rule that I have. <laughs> Oh, he looks so pissed. He said, out. Okay. That's your 15 minutes of fame. <laughs> um, but I say, let's cut the Lions discussion. Let's go around the league a little yeah. bit because I already know next week when we're recording, we're going to be back here angry as hell again. Bitching again. <laughs> it's going to be, we got six, 17 more weeks of this, everybody at home. Be ready to be angry with us. It's what we do best as Lions fans. Um, so I got a couple things from around the league. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Eagles were up 17, nothing on Washington, the Washington football team. Washington ends up coming back. They sat Carson went seven times, including a sack and a half from Chase Young. Could this Washington team be okay with that defensive line? Yeah, I think okay is the word. Max could wins. win five, six games this year and be like pretty competitive. I yeah. think the Eagles might not be good. Uh, and I think it just might not be Carson Wentz, man. I I just, I don't think we've ever seen anything. And I think people have kind of assumed based on like 10 weeks from one season. And yep. uh, it just doesn't quite, it just doesn't seem, it's just another thing where it just feel like the fit is wrong or something. Like something's just not working and I don't know what it is. But uh, there's a chance that, that Redskins defensive line is like, very scary. They, yeah, dude, they might be the best in the league. Yeah. It really might be the best. They um, also look, and this I think more is going to affect should should affect your gambling lines. But we've seen this before, where an NFL head coach or like a GM gets sick and has cancer and comes back, and the way that that inspires the team, in my opinion, should affect Vegas lines by at least two points. Brought the Colts to the playoffs like five yes, years ago. That's right. Um, and I think it could make this really shitty Washington team mediocre. Yeah. 
Uh, the Patriots, Dolphins. Patriots look like the Patriots, man. I mean, the offense wasn't quite as good as it normally is, but they held the Dolphins to 11 points. So I think that's where the story is here, more so than Bill Belichick's going to build Belichick, right? Ryan Fitzpatrick threw three interceptions and zero touchdowns. How long till we see Tua? Two weeks, three weeks. Yeah, at most, I would say right? In a regular offseason, I bet we would have probably seen Tua in the first week. Uh, but I, I think you'll probably still see a few more weeks of Fitzpatrick. Yeah, and I'm excited to see what that Dolphins team looks like once Tua is there because the Patriots seemed like they were humming right along, and they still held them to 21 points. So um, Cam Newton was uh, so they're going to be they're basically like a they're like a jumbo set offense. Basically, they're just going to run the ball. They're going to run yeah. the ball instead of the pass, which is cool. It's a different yeah. offense. I think they have one true competitor in that division, and it is Josh Allen and the Bills, who looked phenomenal. <laughs> really good. Josh Allen looks like he is on his way to like a f- maybe maybe not this year, but soon to be an MVP candidate type quarterback. He's that good, man. Uh, it's a tough time to be an MVP candidate as a quarterback because no matter what, you're always going to be fourth. Yeah, I said fourth because of Kyler Murray, who was <laughs> incredible against the 49ers, looked unstoppable. He just looks like he he like makes his reads and then goes, eh, I'm going to run for 15 yards. And he and, chucked and it, it up to New Hopkins 20 times and he caught 15 oh, of them. I, uh, yeah. Uh, I was riding the Cardinals all offseason towards the end of last season. I'm still on the bandwagon now. I tell you what, man, somebody just brought 30 beers and we're having a party. Uh, it, it's, it's a good, it's a good bandwagon to be on. I seriously, I think Kyler Murray. You're the father of the Arizona Cardinals, dude. That that team is your son. (laughs) Like, um, Gardner Minshew, 19 completions on 20 attempts, 95% completion percentage, the fifth highest ever in a game. Ever. I'm still not buying in on Gardner Minshew, but do we know where the ceiling lies yet? Like, we, at a certain point, we have to be like, okay, there is a ceiling. Like, there's a ceiling of a real legit starting quarterback there, but how real legit of a I starting think, quarterback? I think he's probably right on the Kirk Cousins line. How much more does he have to do till you say his ceiling can be above that? Because like he's not doing this. With- I'm not buying. I'm not buying this. Uh, I think you can. I, this is like Sam Bradford. You know what I mean? You can kind of almost scheme your way to a high completion percentage. Uh, to me, what's impressive is that they didn't have Leonard Fournette when they did this, and also their defense sucks. So there's maybe some yeah. good stuff here. Gardner Minshew was good last year. I think people kind of forget yeah. that. But the and, team's going to London, so I, they're and the Colts' do defense doesn't suck. And he did yep. that. He put up 27 against the Colts. Yeah, Phil Rivers looked a little washed. I'm a little concerned that 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 might be uh, something I was wrong about. I mean, I mean, he it's kind of the ultimate Philip Rivers stat line. He went 36 for 46, good. 363 yards, good. A touchdown and two picks. So it's like it's really a Philip Rivers type game. I saw there. They just couldn't get the running game going, which surprised me. Um, what else did we have? Oh. The Browns probably aren't that good, huh? I can probably hop off that bandwagon. They lost 38 uh, to 6 to the Ravens. 38 to 6. Odell Beckham had 17 yards. Yeah, I'm going to give so for me two teams that I'm going to stay away from for a few weeks and just kind of sit by are the Buccaneers and the Browns. Uh I maybe I this might just be like I just love Baker Mayfield and I just refuse to let it go, right? But I, I think it's tough. I think the Ravens are, in my opinion, they look like the best team in the NFL week one. Yeah. I mean, we 
gave the Browns 16 weeks last year with this core. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they won, what were they last year, like 7-9 and nine or something with like a terrible head coach? I mean, 6-10. and ten. So, No, 7-9 and nine sounds right. I mean, 189 yards from Baker. Yeah, that's tough, man. I think that that, uh, that Ravens defense is also super good. Too. Yeah, the Ravens are unbelievable, but 38-6, to six, you know, that's – you know, I concerning I, to say the least. I'm gonna chalk that one up to week one and, and and check back in. I think it's like the 49ers. Like I'm not giving up on the 49ers because they they kind of they kind of accidentally wandered into the Kyler Murray buzzsaw. You know, let's I'm gonna give them some of these teams a couple more weeks. I'm just, um, <laughs> I have DeAndre Hopkins in fantasy, and I was so happy. About yeah, it. I didn't have. I don't want to talk fantasy. Every single person I drafted in both my leagues shit the bed. Um, oh, I, everybody I started had a touchdown this week. If if before week one, I was to give you odds on what Brady's first touchdown would be, rushing or passing, what would the odds on rushing have been for? Would have had to well, have been for you to take it. Maybe a little better than you think. Uh, Tom Brady does those QB sneaks. That's like kind of yeah, but thing. normally on like fourth and one, not a ton on the goal line, and it's sure, also not sure. Bill Belichick, you know. And he's like forty three, and he might get snapped in half. Yeah, I mean, I that that's really the only interesting thing I had from that game, other than the fact that it was a rushing touchdown, his first touchdown in Tampa. Other than Drew Brees looked really good. The Saints are going to be really good again. We'll see how they are come playoff time, but they're going to be really good. And also, I'm not too worried about the Bucks. No, me neither. I actually thought that that's like a pretty good showing for them against what is probably the third or fourth best team in the NFL so far, just roster talent wise. Yeah, and if you look at a team like the Saints, most of that offense has been together now for four or five years. Yeah. The Bucks, every single person on that team has been together for like a month and a half. Leonard Fournette got off of his jet a week ago. Yeah, and also uh, for our local Detroit sports fans in the metro area, you got to see the Chippewa Valley High School product. Sean Bunting have a really, really good game. So shout out to him on that one. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I believe he was a two-star recruit, went to Central, worked his way up, got drafted in the third round, and he's he's on his way to stardom, dude. He's really good. Central gets some of those guys, man. They they, yeah. they have a pretty good eye for that. Uh, did you enjoy Joe Burrow? Yes, that was the last thing I had. I mean, yeah. the Bengals scored 13 points. Burrow didn't quite have 200 yards. He didn't score a touchdown. It's a bug flying by me. Um, didn't score a touchdown, but he looked comfortable in the pocket. I watched that game as much as I could. He looked comfortable yeah. in the pocket. He, When he had to put some zip on a ball to get it in there, he put the zip on the ball. The dude is going to be a star by, like, week six of this season. I thought that they, uh, for, like, week one, game one, for a rookie quarterback, I thought that was really solid. The Chargers, I thought, were not bad. I just thought the Chargers played well. I thought they looked like a good team. They had a good defense. They're, uh, you know, they have a better quarterback. They'd be a they'd be a playoff contender. I think. Yeah, I really do. Ty, I mean, yeah. Tyrod Taylor is just not good enough, and I, I don't mean, think Justin Herbert is either. So, here's a a take we both might have gotten wrong. The Falcons might be good this year. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I mean, they still, you know, allowed. Almost 40 points. It, but yeah. it took an absolute master class from Russell Wilson. 31 to 35, 322 yards, four touchdowns. Led the team in rushing yards with 29. <laughs> um, uh, but him and DK Metcalf might end up being the most dangerous 
deep ball threat besides Patty Mahomes and Tyreek Hill in the entire league. The dog broke in again. The door doesn't close very well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm still not buying into Atlanta. I heard the entire world trying to buy into Atlanta over the last week. I'm not doing it. Yeah, I'm going to stay away too. Although we know 450 it- yards from, from Matt Ryan. Yeah, I mean it's. I mean it was a really classic Julio Jones stat line too, where he had like eleven receptions for one hundred and fifty yards and no TDs because Calvin Ridley gets them all. So, and I don't know if you have anything to say about this. The the big discussion last night was the pass interference in the Sunday night game. I just I didn't watch the game. It's interesting because they called a few calls like that, so they called it consistently. So I wonder if this will be the beginning of a trend that we see. You know how referees will like. They kind of change stuff like this is, I think, more, I think, of an NBA thing where they kind of change what is a travel or what is a push off differently every year. Uh, I, I wonder if the referees were told to start calling that. That's my guess. Yeah, no, that's fair. All right. That's football. That's week one. The league was great outside of your Detroit Lions and the Classic. shittiness they bring to your heart and soul and health. Um, but. In the rest of the sports world, the Nuggets have forced a Game 7 versus the Clippers after being down 3-1 for the second series in a row. Can you believe that? Uh, Barely. (coughs) Why don't you tell everybody why you think that the Nuggets won that game? This was something that you had. All right. Okay. So pre-game, I'll tell you what my conspiracy was. Uh, Tuning in and out of the game as much as I could for the first week of football, I, I... my conspiracy, I think I was wrong. Okay. But why would the NBA schedule a game at one o'clock on a Sunday when it's the first week football is back? And especially such a huge playoff game. Like this is a game six. This is the game that decides are we for sure seeing LA versus LA in the bubble? Or are the Nuggets gonna force another game seven after being down three one? So the only reason I could come up with in my head for why that game would be at 1 o'clock, is that so if the refs had to force the game 7, the refs could force the game 7 because nobody was watching that game. I would bet that's the lowest ratings any NBA playoff game has ever gotten. I would yeah. I would bet that. Um, it, I bet you it was less than Magic Bucks game 2, like game 1. <laughs> um, it's just there's no real explanation for it other than Maybe somebody, if they had to, needed to tweak the outcome a little bit. Now, I'm not big on NBA's rigged, NBA's this, NBA's that. But there's definitely like a little bit of history behind some of that stuff that you can't completely ignore. And I know you've been listening to Tim Donahue, which don't listen to Tim Donahue. I, uh, they did. There is a podcast that's out right now that's like kind of a Tim Donahue on the record. Uh, and his argument is that like, the most the referees can do is like kind of shave points to be in or out of the spread. And I do believe that I do believe that they could do that if they wanted to. I think once Tim Donahue got caught and went to prison, they cracked down on it and they probably still do to this day. Now, will the NBA assign Scott Foster to a game six because they know he gets amped up and is going to start making calls and kind of doing some stuff. Sure. But they're not going to be like, Hey Scott, Scott, 
we really need a game seven for these TV ratings. I just, I don't, if, if there was something that big, it would have gotten out before the banished child who lost his honor in Tim Donahue. Yeah, maybe. I mean, there's a lot of like stories of like, I'm thinking of one in particular where Phil Jackson goes up to referee after Michael Jordan does like a spin, like push off move on the baseline. And the referee is like, come on, Phil, you see the same tape we do. You know that they want that called. And Phil goes, yeah, but they don't want it called on him. And I think that there's like that kind of stuff that yeah, you see for sure. LeBron. LeBron gets calls, you know? No, he doesn't. <laughs> yes, he does. No, Celtics Heat. Who you got? Who you got? No, who you got? No, no, no. You tell me first. These are this is you know you've killed me in Look. Eastern Conference predictions though. Like you have murdered me in Eastern Con- really in basketball playoff predictions, but especially the Eastern Conference. So you're first. Thank so then you. I can just agree with you and not look stupid. Okay. So <laughs> I I jumped off of the Heat bandwagon for like a brief moment, and I kind of went Bucks and seven. Right. I'm pretty sure that's on the record of the pod. I'm going to say the Heat beat the Celtics in six games. Uh, to me, this one works really well as the next chapter in the Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown kind of hunt for a title where they get a little closer and they go up against this mean, lean Miami Heat, grit and grind kind of weird pseudo weird team. Uh, I think that they've got the bodies to stack up against them defensively. Uh, I think Bam Adebayo is a huge matchup problem for them. And I, I just like sometimes, man, it's we know this as, as Detroit fans. Like sometimes the team's just got it. The, the Raptors did last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I have – so how, you said six, heat and six? Yeah, heat and six. So I have been wrong – as many times as I've ever been wrong on anything on about the heat this year. Uh, I have apologized to Jimmy Butler on this show. Um, <laughs> the heat just blew the bucks out of the water. The team that was on pace to win 70 games. The culture there is real. Eric Spolstra is a top three coach in the NBA and the Celtics are winning in seven, baby. I'm laughing at the idea of like Jimmy Butler, like scrolling through our show and being like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Would you? Would, I mean, how? I wouldn't be that shocked. I know Jimmy Butler is the type of dude that goes on Twitter and types in Jimmy Butler. I think that, like, I, I imagine he has like his agent like cut up like all of the Jimmy Butler apology clips and mail them to him. Sticks them in his locker. Montage. <laughs> before the locker, he before the game, he just goes in his locker and he reads all the cutouts of them up there. Andrew Norris. Like, mean, mean tweets with Jimmy Butler. His stacker three is for you. Uh, <laughs> I, I, so what's your argument for the Celtics winning? Uh, I just I, – all right, so there is a lot of young – obviously the Heat have veteran presence, but there's also a lot of young guys who have overachieved in this playoff run so far. Now the Celtics have a lot of young guys, but they've been here. They took mm-hmm. LeBron James to Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals when Jason Tatum was a rookie. This team is legit. This team knows how to get it done. I know Daniel Tice doesn't sound like a great matchup for Bam Adebayo, but as I hope we've all come to learn, Daniel Tice is a damn good matchup for anybody. I mean, he's a good player. He's a he's a really good player. Um, he just does what needs to be done. He's the ultimate role player starter, right? He's I mean, he's not Draymond, who is like the 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 Jesus Christ of a role player starter, <laughs> but like he is he is the perfect fifth guy. That is the type of center. I want in modern day basketball, who's just like 
I'm going to pay you $6 million a year and you're going to do everything I need you to do. Yeah. Um, so I think Tatum balls out. I think Kemba is amazing. And as we've seen, Kemba is not scared of the spotlight. We knew it in college, but we hadn't seen it in what, eight years? Well, he had been in Charlotte. Um, he's not scared of the spotlight. That man can hit a big shot. Even when he struggled in game seven in the first half against the Raptors, he came back and found it in the second half and was a big part of the reason why they won that game. And I think the Celtics just beat the well, both I think these both these teams just beat the first and second best team in the East. So they've kind of taken their spots. And I just I think the Celtics are the one team that can match up with the Heat style of play as well as anybody. They can shoot the three, they can attack the rim, they can rebound, and they can defend. They can do it all. And they can give you different looks in each one of those categories. It's not just going to be Kemba shoot threes. You got Jason Tatum. You have Jalen Brown. Gordon Hayward's coming back. I don't think he'll get a huge amount of minutes. Um, but, I mean, if you get 12 minutes of Gordon Hayward off the bench when you just need a guy to go in there and get a bucket, that can be big time. Um, so I'm taking the Celtics in seven. Uh, and I think 80% of it is just looking at it basketball-wise. And I think 20% of it is saying I'm eventually going to be right when I go against the Heat. One of these <laughs> days I'm going to be right when I go against the Heat. And I know I said it last week. People at home, stop calling them the 04 Pistons. You stop it. You stop it right now. When they win, they're going to get that a lot. Yeah, that's all I'm going to hear, and I'm just not going to watch it. I'm just going to turn don't think, it off. I, I don't think that there's any chance that that team could beat the Lakers. I'll say that right now. Uh, there, there's just It's just the like you could put Bam on LeBron, but then who's going to go on? Anthony Davis, right? So uh, Kelly Olynyk, have fun, bud. Yikes. <laughs> yikes. I mean, <laughs> that would be bad. Uh, I just like the heat, man. I just like that roster construction. Uh, and I think that they, in my opinion, are the odds on favorite to get Giannis at the end of this year, at this next year. I disagree. It I seems just don't to me, think he can go there now. I just so, it's against the rules, especially for a guy like Giannis. Yeah, it's tough because I, I really don't feel like we know a lot about how Giannis really thinks. But before before we get into that, uh, do you want to talk about the Western Conference? Do you, I'm assuming you think the Clippers are going to win? I do think the Clippers are going to win, but boy, will I be rooting for the Nuggets. And um, I, I'm sure you've seen it circula circulating on the internet over the last couple of days. Um, but when LeBron and the Cavs tied Golden State after being down 3-1, and LeBron went into the locker room, he goes, they're fucked up. Mentally and physically, they are fucked up. And I know Paul George is that exact thing. Paul George is not showing up for Game 7. He's just not going to. I know Jamal Murray's going to show up. So I think it's really going to come down to who, who can play the better game, Jokic or Kawhi Leonard. If I had to put my money on it, I'd say Kawhi Leonard. But I'd, if there's 10 of these, I think Jokic plays the better game in three of them. Yeah, so, I, I think that's fair. Uh the Nuggets are certainly a lot of fun. I I just think like I just think that Kawhi Leonard's a robot, and that's at the end of the day kind of what you're looking for. So no so let's uh, let's do you want to do you want to talk about what we think could happen with Giannis? Yeah. So uh, another report came out today that pretty much it was a meeting saying mm -hmm. I need you guys to be willing to go into the luxury tax. I need you guys to be willing to upgrade this team, and I'm going on vacation with my family. I'll see you in a couple weeks. But it sounds like they agreed to all the above, um, which you can look at in a couple of ways. Are they going to try to trade for a couple of pieces or the obvious one? Are they going to try to trade for Chris Paul? And that's the move. 
Try to trade for Chris Paul if you're the Milwaukee Bucks. Sure. Yeah. We spent some time pre-show like trying to figure out how uh, Chris Paul gets to the Bucks, and it's pretty difficult. Yeah. It's pretty tough to get him there, especially if the Knicks want him. Uh, the Knicks just have the space for him. They just have more space for a player like Chris Paul. Uh, the Chris Middleton plus Giannis contracts pretty much make it impossible to get Chris Paul in, like, because Giannis is 25 and so is Chris Middleton or whatever the actual numbers are. Uh, Middleton, I think, is older than that. I think Middleton's about to be 30. That's you saying he costs 30 million? No, I think he's about to be 30 years old. Yeah, he'll be, he's just turned 29. So, but his contract, he costs like 25. They each cost like over 30.6 million. Yeah, for Chris Middleton. Yep. I mean, so basically, if you want Chris Paul, you're going to have to give up Chris Middleton. That's the only way, cap wise. It's also the only way, in like terms of achievable trade, that the other side would want. You basically have to be willing to give up Chris Middleton. And I don't know if I think that that makes their team a whole lot better to add Chris Paul instead of Chris Middleton. I mean, I know we're in like Chris Paul renaissance year right now, but that's still he's that's uh, Chris Middleton's fucking really good. Like an elite two way wing player. He's the exact kind of player that every team in the NBA wishes that they had. And to give him up for a guy who has what I think is still a pretty cumbersome contract, two years left, guy who has some history of injuries, and a guy who plays, quite frankly, a position that like doesn't do well in the playoffs. Like it's tough when a guard, like a six foot guard in the Western and the Eastern Conference finals, it's just tough with those guys. Physically, I, I don't. I don't know if we can say that about Chris Paul after this year, though. I mean, in most of his career, I know Chris Paul hasn't had the most successful playoff career, but Chris Paul has always shown up. Chris Paul has yeah. always played well. Um, yeah, I think. I think the hardest part about it, more so, I, I would happily um, trade Middleton for Chris Paul because you know it doesn't work with Giannis and Middleton, right? You know that, um, and you have to win next year if you're Milwaukee, or he's gone. He's going to leave. Um, and on top of that, you're going to be in a bidding war regardless. The Knicks have already expressed that they have interest in him, and I'm sure another contender around the league will have interest in Chris Paul. Um, so the Knicks, to me, are the favorite. If Chris Paul would be willing to go there, which I'm not sure he would, but if they were, sure. I think they're the favorite. They have young assets, and sure, Dennis Smith Jr. and Kevin Knox aren't the best young assets, but they have like a middle lottery pick this year that I don't think they would hesitate to give up because it's the Knicks. And then they have NBA-ready players like Julius Randle or Bobby Portis that if the Thunder are looking to continue to compete into next year, similar to how they did this year, while guys like Shea Gill just grow, um, that they could get back from New York and continue to compete and probably make the playoffs next year without Chris Paul. So here's the thing about that. We know that they don't want to do that because they've said that, and then they let Billy Donovan go. And they don't want to be in the luxury tax, and they want to get rid of Chris Paul. They'd and... still be cutting cap, though. They wouldn't be in the luxury tax. And yeah, but let's say it's let, what the... if it's Julius Randle in the what the eighth pick, sixth pick. The whole Next reason Billy Donovan left is because they don't want to win. That's not what the aim of the franchise is right now. And that to me, like when you have this like cool weird team that they're looking to gut it instead of try to find a way to like deal Steven Adams or Gallo for a more cost efficient piece. 
I think you said this to me, sell the team. Whoever, whoever the owner of the Oklahoma City Thunder is, sell the team. Because you're not interested in playing winning basketball. You're just not. Yeah. You're not sell interested in doing what it takes. Get rid of the team. You got anything else for basketball? No. I'm just ready for the conference finals. That's it. Yeah, I'm ready to be there. I mean, I'm excited for game seven, but I'm ready for the conference finals. Uh, but I think we have hit that time. Where's time for quick pitch? Quick pitch. All right. So I got a few things for you. Uh, Mike D'Antoni will not return as the Rockets coach. He is a free agent. Is there another roster in the league that he fits with? Is there a place for him as a head coach next year? The Thunder with Chris Paul, for goddamn sake. But probably the Pelicans. I know that's the big rumor. Uh, the only other team I could think, like, what other teams, like, run the floor like that, you know? Nobody, really. That's, I mean, a lot of teams play fast, but you really got to be able to shoot for D'Antoni to be your head coach with that system. The seven seconds or less system, which it's not what it was back in the Suns days. It's a little bit more laid back, but more threes. Um I just don't know if he could adjust to a team like the Pelicans where it's really a lot of athleticism and not a ton of shooting. They're shooting, uh, but it's not a ton of shooting. It'd be his greatest challenge yet. Yeah. And, I mean, how many chances do you get before they're just like, okay, let's find somebody new? Oh, you mean Dan Tony? Yeah. No, I think that guy's a really good coach. He'd be on, like, his fourth or fifth head coaching job. Like, at a certain he's, point, wait a he's minute. not going to win a title. I mean, he's at a certain point. super competitive on a bunch yeah. of teams. and he's never gone over the hump, ever. I mean, <laughs> there's, like, there's, like, only five or six coaches who are in the NBA right now who have won titles, I think. Yeah, but you got to try to find that guy. You don't go to a guy 25 years deep into his head coaching career and say, "Hope you can do it this time." But I think D'Antoni could be that guy. I just think that he. I just think that like what he did with the Rockets. Can we have a moment of mourning, actually, real quick for the Rockets? Who this is? I'm gonna crib straight from a Ramona Shelburne tweet. Congratulations to the Rockets for going up against the Warriors, not shying away, not backing down, and saying, we're going to try to compete against you. And they didn't do it. But quite frankly, everybody else in the conference seemed pretty fine just to kind of let it happen. And so I respect what the Rockets tried to do, and I give everybody a, a, a B plus. Yeah, that roster with James Harden the last couple of years is the most perfect situation for D'Antoni there could be, which is my overwhelming point. There is not a roster that will fit what he does better than what they've constructed there. There's not a front office that will allow him to play P.J. Tucker at the five like he did there. I mean, it's it, there. I just don't think there's a better situation for him. It's only downhill from here for Dan I mean, Tony. Well, let me ask you this. If the Pelicans say, yeah, play Zion as a five, you think that's not a potentially interesting situation for Dan Tony? You could probably do it for uh, nine minutes in total in a game. You're not starting Zion at the five. I think this is like – I think that him going to the Pelicans will be a really cool, good test. And I think a good coaching – like a good coaching situation for a young team to bring a guy in like that who's been around, who's seen a bunch of different great players, I think that I think that would be a good fit. I think I'd be in favor of that. But that team has too many good defenders for a guy who has out loud said, oh, I'm not worried about defense. I don't care. Great. We don't, work we don't practice better. defense. We don't practice defense. No, yeah, you're going to ruin them. They're 22 years old. Like – um, all right, let's move on. Yeah. 
more sad Detroit sports stuff real quick. I didn't even want to make this a full topic. I just wanted to get it out of the way in quick pitch. The Tigers hunt for the playoffs is over. They can't win a game anymore. They're allowing 10 runs a game. They're scoring one run a game. Uh, we still have the excitement of Mize and Scooble, two out of every five days. Willie Castro's hitting 340. Jamer just won the player of the month in the American League. There's still some stuff to watch. Uh, and they gave me a month and a half of competitive baseball where I thought there was a real chance they could make the playoffs. So you're not the Lions, Tigers. You are much better than that. You deserve a hug and a kiss on the cheek. Um <laughs> The playoff run is over this year. There won't be one next year. But the year after that, be ready, Tigers fans. That is the year they're going to compete. Um, but give the team your support. They've done well. They have, they've earned it more than any other team in this city right now. They have earned. They play hard. They play the right way. They need a new manager. They might need a new GM. But they're they're for Detroit sports, that's about as good as you can get for the last half decade. So go Tigers. RIP Tigers. Go Cubs. <laughs> all right there is no big so the big 10 was supposed to vote yesterday about, like three times i swear I yeah feel like, like about playing uh and there was no vote they don't know when the vote's gonna be and it sounds like if they do end up playing michigan's not playing with them um do they play the Big Ten? No, yeah. probably not. I, if Ohio State wants to play so badly, they can. I don't see why. Go to the SEC, man. Yeah, fuck out of here. Go, just do your thing for a year. Who gives a shit? You know. Yeah, I agree. I don't have many thoughts about that because it's all so. I really have no idea what the right thing to do is. There, it seems like the right thing to do is no football. Um, but these are also grown men who want to make the decision to play. Some you're also men. on a college campus where. People who aren't playing football can get the infectious virus that would be being passed around. Everybody's I, I don't know the right thing to do. So I don't want to talk about it too much because I can't have a solid opinion on it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, some of these kids are minors or pretty close to it. They're like freshman in college, you can be 17 or 18. Uh, in my opinion, you just can't gamble with it. It, there's just that the the risk of life outweighs the football, in my opinion. So yeah, that's what I would think. But all right, and then I got one more thing for you. I'm just gonna kind of read you off some stats here. Okay, so Albert Pujols the other night hit home run number six sixty, tying him with Willie Mays for fifth all time in baseball history. Uh, he's got one year left on his contract, and then he's probably gonna retire. He'll be 42 years old when the contract is up. So. He'll probably have between 670 and 690 home runs, which will put him fourth all-time. He'll be second all-time in RBIs. He'll have over 3,300 hits, which would put him top 10. He'll be fifth all-time in doubles. He'll be 10th all-time in runs. He won a Rookie of the Year. He won two gold gloves, six silver sluggers, and three MVPs with 10 top five finishes. Not to mention a two-times World Series champ. Is he the greatest player to ever live? No. He's, he's top five, right? I got five words now I feel about this topic. Five words. Fuck Albert Pujols. Go Cubs. <laughs> oh, dude. All right. All right. Well, that, <laughs> I like the Cubs before this show. I've liked the Cubs my whole life, and now I'm going to come out of this show being like, fuck no, the Cubs. No, seriously. Go Albert, I, Pujols. Albert Pujols is, was devastating, and I, I – I, do not like him. Uh, I, I somehow like him even less after signing that big-ass contract, going to the Angels, and then not winning anything. 
Uh, is Albert Pujols a top 10 player of all time? I don't know. I doubt it because also like pitchers and shit. So pitchers are better. They're so much better. No, I mean like like you're just talking about like hitters, right? Oh, like yeah, but I mean those hit nobody else ever has those hitting numbers except for maybe Hank Aaron and Babe Ruth. Uh I'm not well versed in baseball history enough to tell you if I think that like what Stan Musil or, or those kind of guys did is, is is stacks up to it. So uh I'll defer to you. What do you think? I've just I've gone most of the last decade trying to convince myself that Miguel Cabrera is the greatest right-handed hitter I've ever seen. And when I started, I've always known most of this about Albert Pools, but when I started to dig in and looking at it one by one by one, he's he, in this era. He's it, it's him, it's A Rod, it's Ruth, it's that's it. I mean, that's the list. Barry Bonds, Barry Bonds, the greatest player of all time, but he, you know, has the steroid issue. So if we're taking those guys out, Albert Pools has never been busted for steroids. He might be the greatest player of all time. I'm saying at worst. All right, that's all I got. Do you got anything else? Uh, there's literally so much sports going on right now that I lost track of what's going on in soccer. But I, I would like to report that there are literally like a dozen American soccer players scoring every week. Right? Did the Premier League start today? Yes. So did they have a week and a half off? <laughs> they had, yeah, they had like a month and a half basically because they had like three months in the middle of the year too. So, uh, yeah, That's we'll true. see. Uh, Pulisic was I in the middle of the show. I got a ping. It says doubtful against Liverpool. Okay, so he's still hurting. Uh, it's an FA Cup game, and he's still kind of nursing his hamstring, I think. But that's okay, because he actually would have been like about two weeks ahead of schedule if he played today. So uh, Gio Reyna has played in like every Dortmund preseason game. That kid's 17. Uh, it's it's uh, For the last two weeks, I've said it. I'm going to say it again. Get on the bandwagon, because it's coming. Uh, I'm so excited for the next Weston McKenney. There's clips of like Cristiano Ronaldo with his arm around Weston McKenney and, and like him doing like these little give and goes. And oh man, yeah, I, I have a feeling that's not the first time you've oh manned about that video. It's a good video, man. <laughs> it's a great video, man. And like I said to you, I, I think I don't know what it is about Weston McKen McKenney that says this to me, but he seems like a sponge. Like he absorbs what's around him. He's obviously a, a high motor guy, right? We've known that. He's a high, high motor guy, high work ethic guy. And to have Cristiano Ronaldo like two weeks after McKenny gets there, have his arm around him and be like, you got it, champ. You got it, squirt. Like that's, yeah. that's big uh, time. Cristiano Ronaldo's kind of been like that the last year or two at Juventus, like specifically with the young guys. He's like really put his arm around them, like a lot of them, like Delic too, like a lot of those young guys. Uh, McKenny had like four coaches when he was playing for Schalke, and every single one of those coaches was like this guy. So he, I think that's where that comes from. He played right back, center back. He played as a fucking target striker a few times for Schalke. Uh, I mean, he's been everywhere on the field. All of his coaches love him. Uh, Pirlo picked him out, like specifically the new coach of Juventus. So Weston McKenney is here to stay. Uh, all of the high end. Uh, Tim Way is back, by the way. Tim Way is back. Uh, Prince yeah, Way, favorite player. He's back. He's been playing about ten minutes a game for Lille after like blowing out both of his ACLs or something crazy like that. So, uh, so he's back, and that's good. Jordan Morris is lighting up MLS right now. Brendan Aronson is at some point going to move to Europe. Reggie Cannon is in Portugal now. 
it's 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 good times. Serginio Dest may or may not leave Ajax for Bayern Munich. We don't know yet. So I'll tell you what. If one or two people, that's all I'm asking, one or two people ask for it in the comments or message us on Twitter, we'll do a full show dedicated to the young prospects of the United States men's <laughs> national team. I know you can do it. It doesn't, have to be, chart together. it doesn't have to be an hour and a half. You know, it can be a 30-minute show, but we will do a full show dedicated to that. So if you want to know more about the United States men's national team, obviously we all know Pulisic. We all know McKenney. But, I mean, Parker can tell you about – Steve Johansson, the third from the third worst team in the minor leagues for the MLS. Like, so it's if you really like the nitty gritty, let I us know. Been, uh, I have been like. watching some Tacoma Defiance clips. I've been watching a lot of Jose Gallegos who plays in the USL for some team in San Antonio. So is Tacoma Defiance a team or a person? Tacoma Defiance is Tacoma as a city. Tacoma Defiance is like okay. A that's what I thought, but I just had to make you never know with soccer. I mean, I still I laugh. Uh, I brought up Leo Sepulveda in a podcast that we did once. Who's like in the third tier in Spain? <laughs> wow, so stupid. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, I hope I, uh, I I'm gonna be insufferable during the World Cup. Do not oh, talk dude. during the World Cup. We might have to do like a little 15 minute show after every United States Spence oh, game in the Christ. World Cup. Yeah. Like we might just have to little post game show every time. Oh, Andy Robinson's officially in the Premier League now too. He's playing for Fulham. Sweet. Uh, which Good. is also cool. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, I think it is time to wrap it up here. I'm going to leave everybody with one more little fun fact that I know you especially will like, Parker. The Chicago Cubs are 28 and 20 and would be in first place in exactly zero other divisions oh. in the MLB. But they play in the worst division in the in the entire league. So more power to them. Do your thing. Uh, they uh, they, they uh, had their first, first round knockout. Like First no hitter in like thirty three years the other day or something. Alec like that. Mills, Alec Mills. Yeah, uh, yeah. They've been the Cubs have been really weird this year. They've been strange. And no hitters are just weird. You never know. It, it takes you know. It's just one day. You need four or five breaks in a no hitter to get a no hitter. So it, they're just weird. It doesn't say Alec Mills is the next coming of Justin Verlander, but oh yeah, it shows no, that no, he can no. get hot. You know, he can yeah. get hot and be really good. Yeah. Um. All right. For myself, Andrew Norris, your host, and Double P. Producer Parker, go follow us on Twitter at Fan2FanDetroit, at Parker underscore Hammond. Give us a like on YouTube. Give us a like on Spotify. And one of these days shortly, we'll have it up on Apple Podcasts for you. Uh, appreciate everybody listening. Big shout out to my sister. I forgot to do this last week. She got engaged. So oh. big shout out to her and Kyle. Kyle, take care of my sister or I will kill yeah, you. Kyle, whoop your ass, Kyle. Yeah, I actually, I'll have Parker kill you. Uh, So thank you, everybody, for listening, and we will see you next week, same spot, same time.